Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Okay, yeah, so two weeks ago we were in this room and we started... um, We started kind of coming back together, connecting after what has been a... Very unusual year, and I know we've obviously, we have worked hard to connect to some degree in the park, particularly to some degree through Zoom, although I know none of us really like that very much, but we, we did it. Um, but this is the first time, obviously, we're back kind of physically, and uh, so we wanted these initial few weeks or months, rather than rushing into too much of a kind of servicey type thing, we really wanted to, 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 to come together to regroup to refresh and to reconnect. And for these times to be really emphasizing this word that you see in Ephesians chapter 4 of equipping. And I made the point two years, two weeks ago that, of course, as Christians, we need to be inspired, we need to be taught, we need to be clear in our thinking. But one of the words that often you don't hear a lot about is equipping, which is more practical, which is more holistic. So you can watch and study endless keep fit videos forever and you'll get really good in your head at knowing about keep fit. You will be an expert in your head at keep fit. However, if you never actually move your body and do stuff, you obviously aren't actually entering into the whole point of the information. And honestly, so many of us as Christians can be like that, right? We study, we study, we listen, we observe, we get perfect in our heads in terms of this Christian faith. And probably American Christians are the most kind of well-taught in some ways in all of history with the amount of resources that we have access to. The issue for most of us is not that we just need more information, it's that we need to learn how to actually start living it and doing it. And that is what this word equipping is getting at. And two weeks ago, we looked at this idea of just starting to ask the question, what does it mean for us to come out of a year of kind of survival mode into more of like intentional mode? And today, uh, we're going to carry on with this idea of intentionality. And today, I want us to ask this question intentionally. What do we think Jesus would say is success? For us as a church. And I think this is such an important question. And I'm so privileged that right at the beginning of this baby church that we are asking this question. And we're not assuming that we all know what the, the, the biblical answer is. If you think about this, this is such a, a key question. Because put negatively, if you don't know what success is, say, in your work environment or in life in general, in any organisation, you will experience tremendous frustration. I was chatting to a friend of mine recently, and he was saying, it's strange, I love my boss in many ways, but I don't actually know what success looks like. There's no clarity really over goals, 
or over what the metrics are that this, this boss has for me. And so he was saying, to be honest with you, it's actually quite frustrating. There's lots of good ideas and there's good relationship, but we aren't actually that clear in an agreed upon way what success looks like. And uh, no matter what organisation you are part of in life, every organisation and group has either conscious or unconscious values which speak about what success is. Lots of companies will have, um, there's one very well-known social media company, which I won't name, but would have all these incredibly positive expressions of what for them success really is. I know someone who works for them, (laughs) and over dinner a little while ago, this guy was, he was saying, yeah, they might say that's what success truly is, these are our values, but honestly, behind the scenes, in terms of the actual guts of what this thing is like, you would not believe how different it is. Success, he said, our boss has literally said in staff meetings, this is about dominion. This is us about us having dominion, power, even though they would never say it publicly. So you can have, in any group that you're part of, any organisation, you will have either conscious or unconscious values that you're living by that um, are, are there to to lead to an understanding of what success is. It can either be negative, like I'm saying, or it can be positive. Um, Recently, I heard about a good friend of mine uh, starting to look into the Scouts group. Now, Mr. James Walker is in the house, come on. And I I did Scouts uh, when I grew up. And anyone here know what the slogan is for the Scouts movement? Be prepared. Be prepared, absolutely. Be prepared. And the whole vision of the Scout movement, what is success for the Scouts? It's not about just information and studying. It's about practical equipping. They want these boys and girls to be actually prepared to know how to survive in the wilderness, to, have, to know how to skin a rabbit, to know how to navigate when the fog comes in and you're on a mountain. It's all about equipping. And so their, 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 their metric of success is be prepared. That's their vision. And what I love about this is that how do they, how do they celebrate every small step towards success? Anyone know? What do they do to make the boys and girls feel like you are making progress in being equipped to be prepared? Badges! Badges. That's right, they have these badges that you sew on here, that you do a test for some specific practical thing, lighting a fire, whatever, without matches, or going on a 20-mile hike or something. And every time that you pass it, they celebrate, they cheer. I remember this, you go up. And you'd go, thank you, sir. And he would give you a badge and then you'd sew it on. And so the Scouts, as an example, are a fantastic organisation who are clear on what success is. It's about being prepared. And they know how to spot success and to measure success and to celebrate success. And I think, in many ways, they're way better than most churches. Certainly, I think many who... When you talk about what success is, really, there's not always that clarity. So let me ask you this question. Um, i tell you what. Could somebody, who here is quite arty? Who can help me with this board? I'm going to be using this board a lot today, so I'm looking over at maybe... George, can you come, brother? George or Hannah? 
George is nearer. Run, George, run. Can you, it's hard to say, but can you wipe out these beautiful pictures? And can you guys just shout out, when it comes to the church, what do you think Jesus might say is success? Okay, don't overthink it, just shout it out. Some ideas, and George will, will capture it for us. Very good, Hannah. Loving people well. What, what else? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Fantastic. Well done. And love your neighbour as yourself. Perfect. Otherwise known as the great commandment. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. So, loving people, loving God. Any other thoughts? What do you think is success? What do you think Jesus thinks when he looks at his church is success? Any thoughts? Making disciples. Thank you, Billy. I'm so proud of you guys. These are great answers. Any other thoughts? Community. Community? Wonderful. Absolutely. Healthy fruit. Healthy fruit. Bravo. Giving God the glory. Oh, yes. Lovely. Giving God the glory. Healthy fruit. Community. Let's have one or two more. Come on, you, you guys are passionate. You're not going to be in a room like this unless you've got passion in you. I know you. What else, you think about these things because you care about the church. When the church isn't working well, it hurts us, right? We heard that a moment ago. Yeah? So spin that around positively. What, therefore, is success? Authenticity, for example. I think that should be one. When we're able to be real and safe. The gospel being shared. The gospel's being shared. Okay, <laughs> right. These are some great, these are brilliant ideas. And I think, honestly, they are all bang on the money. Do you remember those? It was making disciples, authenticity, community, giving God the glory, healthy fruit, people being saved. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. This is great. Matthew chapter 28, friends. Matthew chapter 28, an amazing passage. The scene is a mountain. Jesus, at various points in his ministry, gets to a mountain. When he, when, he, um, when he gives the Sermon on the Mount, his greatest sermon probably, his most famous one, it's on a mountain. When he is transfigured and the world actually sees the unveiled glory of Jesus, it's on a mountain. And once again, he's on a mountain. And these are some of his final words. Hang around here if you can, George. We'll probably need you a bit later. Maybe jump on that chair, on that table or something. He says these words, um, verse 18. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, boom, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, look at this, teaching them to observe, to obey everything. Say everything. This is very, very interesting. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. In the Greek, the emphasis is on the word I. Not just that I'm with you, but I'm with you. Always to the very end of the age. Okay. My personal, my personal conviction is that the number one The number one measurement or metric of success is making disciples. And a disciple, in biblical terms, 
is somebody who followed a rabbi. I love this. Is that you didn't sign up, scholars tell us, you didn't sign up to join like a college or a named group. You joined and chose a particular person, a specific rabbi. And when Jesus says, for you, success is about making disciples, listen to, listen to us. And that basically means, I want you, like you've seen in your own lives, you've followed me for three years as your teacher, and now I want you to go and do that again and again. This is so important, friends, because we live in a time when we think about church success, many people, particularly as the churches are being started, emphasise um, basically gathering and a biggest group as possible and church and the event, as good as that is, and the Sunday thing, becomes the great measurement for success. And the terrifying thing is, if your measurement of success is crowds, I mean, you look through church history, or well, not just through church history, just look through history, you can have crowds at the most terrifying things. You had crowds at the execution of when Christians were thrown into the, into the, you know, in the arena. You had crowds at executions. You know, they dra- there's crowds. You'll have mobs. And, and there's, there's so many examples we know of when just the, the, the metric of size and an event um, is, is something that is such a crude way of measuring church success. Now, I believe, ironically, over the next season, we're going to grow. I believe God is wanting to add. But what I'm so passionate about now, before we get so big that we don't know each other particularly and it's more of a crowd deal in some ways, right at the beginning today is saying, listen to these words of Jesus. He is saying that true success is loving well one person at a time. True success is you seeing, one person at a time, people come to follow the rabbi. That Jesus Christ is just as alive now as he was when he walked the earth. And for these disciples, they lived around the rabbi, they knew him, they they were like him. The decisions that he made were the decisions that they made, which is so different, isn't it, from the American and the British mindset. We love to be independent and individuals, whereas these guys, their great task was to follow Jesus, the rabbi, and what Jesus liked, they liked, and what Jesus didn't like, they came to not like, and they became like him because they were around him, and their whole life was following the rabbi, that's what it meant to be a disciple. So if you think about this, Jesus says, your job is to focus on partnering with me in seeing lots of people start to follow and grow in their following of the rabbi. And I will build the church. If you can get it that way round, if you can focus on that as a people, each of us individually doing that, then I will do the actual... Uh, the church... This is what a guy called Mike Breen says it. He says it really well. He says, <clears throat> here's the thing that can be difficult to wrap our minds around. If you make disciples, you always get the church. But if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. Disciples are the only thing that Jesus cares about. It's the only number that Jesus is counting. Is people who love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul and strength and love their neighbours themselves. Not our attendance, budget or buildings. He wants us to know that if we are making disciples, many of us 
who serve or lead churches, which are huge. But we have to honestly answer this question. Do their lives look like the lives of the people we see in Scripture? Are we just good at getting people together once a week, maybe into a small group? Or are we actually good at producing the types of people we read about in the New Testament? Have we shifted our criteria for a good disciple as someone who shows up to our stuff, gives money, and occasionally feeds poor people? Effective discipleship builds the church, not the other way round. We need to understand the church, and when he's saying the church, he's talking about like the big gathered event type aspect of church life, which is part of it. He says we need to understand the church as the effect of discipleship, not the cause. If you set out to build the church, there is no guarantee you'll make disciples. It is far more likely that you will create consumers who depend on the spiritual services that religious professionals provide. Isn't that true? I think that's so profoundly true. Is that we need to be a people who focus on making disciples um, above all else. Making disciples. And this is actually tremendously good news. Because if you think about this, he's saying this is language of relationship. So if a, if I, we've got a, um, a next slide here, it's a triangle. One more. Mike Breen, the same guy who who's, uh, helps with visual aids, he says, what is a disciple? Well, yes, it's someone who follows a rabbi. So there's, there's the first dimension. It's following Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. It's about relationship in the up. Ever increasing relational health with Jesus, the rabbi, the Lord, the king. That's the first aspect of what it is to be a disciple. The second aspect is the in is that as well as having ever-increasing health and progressive healthy relationship with Jesus, because of that, you then have ever-increasing healthy relationship with his family, with the church, with the other disciples. And you see that, if any of you have seen The Chosen, you've got these 12 disciples who are so different. You've got Matthew, the tax collector, who's the traitor, and you've got Simon Peter, who's the zealot, and they hate each other. But because they're around the rabbi a lot, and Jesus is kind and loving, and merciful, bit by bit, being around him in the up, it melts their hearts. And so these two enemies become more and more and more close as they, um, as they are around him. The up relationship, when it's real and true, inevitably leads to you getting closer and more real and honest with your church family. Sometimes as Christians we can think, oh, I have a relationship with Jesus, and then that's kind of it. And I don't have much connection. Or, I, or you know, many people feel like they've kind of given up on church because it's hurt them. And that's very understandable. But when you see in Scripture that to be a disciple means you follow Jesus in the up, the rabbi, but you also are progressing in the in as a result. You're working through difficulties. Even though we're so different, you're actually getting more and more close. And then third dimension is the out. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with his church, and then relationship with the world around us. And he makes the point that often we, churches can be kind of strong in one of those, or maybe two, but not necessarily all three. But actually, it is all three that you clearly see in the New Testament. It's all three. It's having these rhythms of discipleship as a church community, where we are diving into intimacy with Jesus, 
we're intentionally connecting with each other, and we are intentionally looking for ways to connect and love the city around us. That's why we talk about finding sanctuary in Jesus, being sanctuary to each other, and expressing sanctuary to this world around us. Now, the reason this is so important is because when you start, and this is my big goal of this first session today, is when you start to think, well, wait a minute, I think Jesus is really kind and really loving. And I think when he looks through that lens, okay, what is success? It's about people taking one baby step at a time, one day at a time, into closer relationship with Jesus. That is success. I believe that's what he's saying. And at the same time, it's one believer taking one baby step, one day at a time, towards greater emotional, relational health with the church around them. And it's a believer taking a baby step, one day at a time, with the community that they've been placed in. This is actually a hugely um, life-changing metric. It's like, when you think about what it is to be, and this is my vision, I feel like Jesus' vision, is that I want it to be that when people come into this church community, they sense a people who view this community through the eyes of Jesus, who I think spots and celebrates every single small step and sees it actually as a really big deal. And this is so huge because, honestly, you are bombarded by, by voices of shame, most of you in your life. Most of you, whether you know it or not, are feeling like you're not enough as a, as a, in your workplace or as a child or as a parent or in your marriage or in your singleness. Most of us are constantly battling feelings like we're not enough and we can bring that into church life. But what I believe is success, if success is making disciples which is seeing progression in relationship with Jesus, his family, and this place around us, then suddenly you realise that because Jesus is God and we are actually making decisions to follow him in those directions all the time, there are so many amazing opportunities to celebrate continually the success that God is doing even now. Even now, right now, in these early days, when you start to... If you, it's, it's a bit like as a parent. Like, you celebrate success of your kids in a way that probably no one else does, okay? So as your child makes a tiny step, it sleeps a bit longer in the night, or it suddenly takes its first step, or she says her first word, you are... You know, no one has to say to you, oh, that's success... You should be excited. You know, you're going to be like, did you hear Amelia? It was amazing. She went, blah, 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 blah. you know, you are naturally hardwired to celebrate relational progress in your children. You are naturally hardwired to celebrate them as they make these baby steps. And I believe that Jesus, when he looks over this group of men and women here, us, as unimpressive as we are, I believe today he wants to kind of give us a, almost like a kind of addiction, in a good sense, to being able to spot and to celebrate and to savour 
the amazing progression that you are making all the time in these ways, in the up, in the, in the in and the out. And I see it all the time. I've almost kind of found, I've got these new goggles on, these celebration goggles, where I'm seeing all the time these things that are happening um, that when you look through the lens of discipleship, I mean, Jackie's mentioning earlier, just a moment, I hope you don't mind me saying again, that's, a, that's an amazing demonstration of where Jackie gets hurt, and so she wants to pull back on the in, right? She said it herself. I don't want to be close to a community. But over time, she feels safe to do that. And she comes and takes one step, and then one more step, and then one more step. And suddenly, all of us are rejoicing at this amazing, faithful step that Jackie has taken in terms of continuing to believe the goodness of God, even when she's been hurt in the past by other relationships. I was on a, um, a phone call or a Skype uh, yesterday with some dear friends of ours, and they've given me permission to, to, to share this. Um, uh, uh, Peter, and Laura, uh, Peter and Laura Humphreys, who moved away a few months ago, who are back in England, and they're trying to work out what they're meant to do, and they've been living with Peter's parents, and it's been difficult. And um, I... Peter was being quite coy. He was like, well, God's been, I think there's been some things happening. And, and uh, we were like, come on, what, what? And he was like, oh, no, you know, just some stuff. It's not that, you know. And eventually he shared like three or four small in his mind, but actually I think deep down he thought these aren't small coincidences that had happened that week. And as he shared them, I was like, brother, that's God. And he was like, well, I'm like, I mean, and he may be God. I don't know if he's God. You've got to weigh that. But what I'm saying is, in my experience, it is rarely these like moments. Normally the voice of God, although it's real, it is quiet. And you have to kind of lean in and say, Jesus, as a child, I'm trusting that what happened today when my heart leapt, when I saw that thing, or I had this internal reaction when this person said this thing, or when I read the scriptures, this bit kind of came out to me. I'm going to trust this might be you, and I'm going to just make a note. And he had done that, that, that this week, leading him to kind of fairly confidently say, I think we should maybe do this thing. Now, what was amazing was I was, you know, they're living in slight isolation, but we had a Skype with them. And I was able to say, brother, I think that may be Jesus discipling you, leading you. I don't know, it's up to you, but for what it's worth, I think that could well be him saying, take one more step. And it was a, it was a beautiful moment because it was like he was, I think he was almost like benefiting from a community, even through Zoom, in, and, and growing in trust in his like um, confidence and trust that maybe Jesus is genuinely alive, He's resurrected, and he's still leading his disciples bit by bit. But he almost needed someone else to confirm and encourage him in that. And what was so wonderful was, as it happened, so in a way, I was there celebrating him in the inn. But at the same time, because I, I want those guys to move back to San Francisco, unashamedly, and this was about God speaking about going somewhere else, I, this was an amazing moment of discipleship for me in the inn. Because part of me wants to grab them, yeah? And be like, you've got to be close. But this was like a help, this was like, do you know, I feel like maybe I need to sort of give them away a bit. Almost just really bless what God might be saying. And even though I want them to come back, 
It seems like maybe Jesus is speaking to them about this thing. So even for me, there was this, I was able to say, wow, I'm progressing in my health relationship with them because in my insecurity as a pastor, I can sometimes almost, almost want to cling to everyone. And, and you guys belong to Jesus, right? And he's the king. So I was like, oh, this is like a double celebration. You know, Peter's growing in the up and I'm kind of growing in the in. And then the other thing was, I was thinking, and then Jackie and I, because Jackie was prophesying and speaking and encouraging, we were speaking, I was thinking, I feel even closer to Jackie now. And this hour-long conversation, you could just see as an event. But when you see it through the lens that Jesus is like, I'm so excited. Uh, you know, small steps are a big deal to Jesus, is what I'm trying to say. Small steps. And, 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 and once you start to almost um, get really intentional about being able to say... So if I was to say to you as sanctuary group leaders, when you look at your, your group... Where have you seen small but significant steps in their, in their following Jesus in the up and the in and the out? And how do we as a community cultivate that as success? And we, how do we uh, as a community create this celebration of something? Because I, I want to say this, as a dad in the, in, in the natural realm, this is what I'm doing with my family and it brings life to my family. Like, I am cheerleading my wife and my kids. These tiny, and I, I know I'm an enthusiast, but I believe it's biblical. If they are making, st- when one of my daughters has overcome jealousy with another of her daughters, which has happened, and there, there was in, like, frustration, right? For a long time. And recently, they've become super close, and the jealous one is like, praising her for the fact that this other daughter is able to um, be a bit more emotionally stable. <laughs> this, this other previously jealous one was like, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so proud of you. And I'm looking at this thinking, oh, this is Jesus discipling of them. Do you see? This is success. This is incredible success if we have eyes to see it. Honestly, when Daisy sang last weekend in the park, and she doesn't mind me sharing this, you know, I was like, Daisy, that is you growing. That's you being discipled by Jesus. And you were fearful. You didn't want to sing in the park because it's more vulnerable. And on the eighth time of me asking, you finally said yes. And that is you growing in the inn. That's you growing, not fearing the church as much. It's you doing that. It's, it's a massive success. So I, I think what I'm trying to say is when you realise all around you, oh my word. There's so many continual um, demonstrations of us taking small but significant steps in relationship with Jesus and his people and the city around us. What happens is you start to um, just grow in faith and excitement that Jesus is, man, he's really busy. He's doing an awful lot. I mean, some of you are like, you know, we're tempted to move away from the street that we live in, in San Francisco, because it's expensive. And one of you are telling me this, but at the same time, God's giving us friendships on the street with people. And I think they might be actually, for the first time, trusting Christians and finding them as normal people. And I don't want to give that up. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, that is amazing. That's, that's out language. And that's, 
That is such a success when God has put into your hearts this value that trust and relationship progression and intimacy with those who don't know Jesus but are around me is really, really high. So anyway, I'm going to pause there and I want you to ask this question in your groups. And if you're kind of on your own, if you just want to spin around and join another group, we're going to do this for a few moments. First of all, on your own, spend five minutes in silence and just answer this question. What has your following of Jesus in the up and the in and the out looked like recently? Now I know if you haven't thought about this for a while or it's the first time you heard it, you have to sort of get your head in gear. Okay, but just think it's, it's, it's you thinking what are the small but significant ways that you have chosen to follow the rabbi, first of all, to get a little bit closer. Let me give you one for free. You're here today. Okay? You could easily be somewhere else. There's a thousand and one other things you could do. I think a re- one of the reasons you're here today is because you want to make wise choices to keep following Jesus. And meeting together is something he loves. Okay? So just, first of all, write down whatever comes to mind. Some celebrations that you think Jesus with kindness in his eyes would look over you and go, Well done. You have made these steps in your life over the last few days or weeks in the up. And then think about the out, uh, sorry, the in, in terms of how you have made some relational progression with Christians around you. And then in the out as well. So we'll have five minutes of silence and then we'll discuss them in our groups. Sound good? Great. Okay. Go for it. Okay, sorry to uh, cut across your combos. Um, I hope that was kind of clear. I, I know it probably wasn't as crystal clear as it could have been, but um, I hope it became clear as you chatted. Some of us have looked at this a year or so ago. Some of us, it's brand new. But yeah, in, in essence, it's this very simple idea that a healthy disciple is someone who has those three dimensions, that you're, you're, you're up, you're developing intimacy with Jesus, relationship with him's growing, and in the, in the inn, and also as in with the church community, but also in the out with the world. And um, that's, that balance is really crucial. So let's just have a little bit of feedback from each of the tables. What, what um, celebrations were shared in your, on your table where you'd seen some things in those um, dimensions that were encouraging? How about you guys? Anything? <laughs> Don't be bashful, come on. I bet you guys there's been loads of positive things that when you actually take a moment, you're like, oh, yeah. Say again. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of hard, but also super cool, and I think it kind of comes in the up, up category. 
All three categories. Isn't that up category? Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But I will say from, uh, I was going to say years ago, you're not that old, right? It's like <laughs> at college, and one of, one of his friends moved to the city. Um, I don't know how, how much she's gone to church recently, but she's come to church a few times here and has had like, pretty good conversations each time she turned up. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that was a real big win in the That's other. huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it sounds like you guys were saying shared like authenticity and openness about your weaknesses was yeah. what you guys were talking about. Yeah. So put that in, how would, you, how would Jesus, with his joyful, kind face, as it were, how would he look at you and go, you're right, that is a celebration. What, what I'm trying to say is the fact that you guys are open to talk about that together. Yeah, exactly. What does, yeah. What, put, that in the in, put that in the up, in and out language. What is that a win in? It's, like, it's a win in the, in the end. Yeah. And one of the things I wrote was, like relationships within this church are really good like, for me. Like, yeah. I mean, that was a real celebration. Well, it is a, that's, it is that's right. That's our scout badge, right? Yeah. You know, that's, but seriously, like, because it, this is so important because we have a real enemy and he is the father of lies and he's the father of discouragement. So what, I know this sounds like a really basic thing, but it's actually really profound because what you're doing is like you're cherishing the moment right now. Who knows what the future holds? There's a thousand things we can't control, right? But what we are saying is, Jesus, you have been faithful in giving me, number one, like, I can be honest with you, Jesus, about my vulnerability. Tyler's not lying. He's not saying, I'm perfect, which a lot of us Christians can stupidly think that's what success is. No, it isn't. It's about your, your, you feel safe around Jesus in the up because you know he's for you. But then there's this in success, which is right now on this table, you've just been open together. And the masks, you know, haha, have not been up, metaphorically, you've been real. So that is a huge discipleship success, in my personal opinion, when you use those particular kind of you know, dimensions to celebrate it. Not to be too clunky, because it is kind of all three, but it, but it is helpful to also to be specific. How about you guys in the middle? The McLeans and Lydia. Any celebrations? Well, so certain celebrations that we get to experience this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a bit of a conviction that I've had, I think they express something similar, the out piece about disconnecting with neighbors and community. Mm. Um, you know, it's something that you know, we, we certainly missed. Mm -hmm. um, so the, even the idea of disconnecting with neighbors again for yeah. the first time, um, maybe they've never even met a Christian yes. before, and just you know, showing off the intensity of the relationship. Yeah. That's the, Yes. This is huge, Colin. I mean, just like you are in front of your children right now, they're going to always remember this moment forever. No, seriously, like you said, kids were going to church when a third of Christians have not come back to church. Statistically, that's what they've, even though you can go back now in many places, so many have just. Just stepped away. So you saying, I long for Jesus. I long to worship him. I actually want my whole family to do that is a huge discipleship celebration that I honestly believe that heaven is excited about that small but significant step that you chose to do today. And then you're also saying, but I also really 
do care about my neighbours and those around me. And I don't feel condemned about it, but I actually really want to be intentional in finding ways that Jesus might have for us to connect. So that's massive. Do you, do you understand? That's like the enemy wouldn't want you to see that celebration of what's just happened. But it's real. And our heads get down. We're just so aware of how rubbish we all are. And, when, and Jesus is like, no, every small step you make is a really big deal. And for me, I'm like, man, if we can create this culture as a church where we are, we are seeing it in each other. And whenever we meet, we're more skilled at spotting and celebrating the, those decisions that we're making all the time because of, because of following Jesus. Oh my goodness, it's huge. How about the table at the back? Anything that came out of your discussion? So good. Absolutely. Is that a good reflection, Jackie? Yeah, great. Thank you, Billy. How about you guys? That's amazing. That's such a gift of God, isn't it? He's so kind. I, I don't think we always necessarily feel like that in our small groups, do we? <laughs> oh, nervous laugh across the room. It's true. I mean, man, that is a precious gift. And I, I actually, I do believe, and I've said this repeatedly, that I think our small groups are absolutely as important as our Sundays. They are so crucial in a city where there's so much transience. And I am just so eager to find ways that we can keep making room at the table so that so, like hundreds of people can say what you've just said and be like, yeah, my heart is that. I've never experienced that in a small group before. I've gone to small group out of obligation. But for the first time, this actually somehow feels like really familial and actually like my family. So that's a huge in. That's a great celebration. How about you guys over here, George and Amanda and Carrie? Yeah. Yeah. The one of the things we're celebrating is just even just coming here in general. Yeah. Because trusting financially without you know having worked for a while yeah. is very out of character for the both of us. So I say that, and just I think that relates just mostly because we just felt such uh, 
here. Yes. And so I think with our relationship with our like our friendship with Jared and Sarah and Jesse and mm-hmm. it's just it's just like a sense of closeness that I wasn't really expecting yes. from those as a family. Yeah. So I would say that. And then just like even when we go like when we went back home last week, it's just so like when I worked at my home facility it was so strange for people to at my work who aren't Christians to even understand why we would stay if we didn't have work. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So just then like I don't know, just bring up that conversation of like what like why we're staying. Mm-hmm. Why we want to be a part of the church for a while. Yes. So I believe that you are becoming more like the rabbi that you're following. You're becoming more like Jesus. You're becoming more like him because he really prized relationships. Like this side of eternity, I believe he's... Sa- when he says success is making disciples, what he's saying is relationship. Success is relationship. It is your relationship with Jesus, keeping on progressing, small step, small step. It is your relationship with the church that you're going to spend eternity with. And it is your relationship with the world out there that doesn't know Jesus. It's all relationship. And that is not how most of us think of success in our lives. Most of us think of success in terms of money, security, fame, progress, you know, those metrics. And those aren't all wrong. But if Jesus is saying making disciples is the big metric, that's huge for him, to, to, I think, to look at you and say, Karen and Amanda came to the park in August last year just because they're friends of Jared. We pray for them. The spirit is clearly present. There's tears flowing. It's a wonderful moment. Months later, they moved back just mainly because of that moment in the park when they were like, we've never experienced this before in a church. This is wonderful. We have to be around it. And even when God doesn't give you a job here. So you move in faith to come as a travelling nurse and then he doesn't even give you a job, which is mystery, right? That's an interesting deal. You still stay. So what I'm saying is, is, is G, does Jesus look at this and say this is a successful moment that we should celebrate? I believe he does. But we just miss it so much because we're not thinking in these terms. So does this commu- does this, is this communicating? Does this make sense? Does this kind of help us put on some new glasses, as it were, of what success might look like for you in your life? I think knowing that shame... Is always about the voice of shame is what you're saying you're not enough, right? If you think it visually, you're too, you're not enough. You're this small little thing, and you didn't measure up as a parent or as in your workplace or as a friend or whatever. It's always saying you're not enough. What is so powerful about Jesus's measure of success is that it's Him saying there are a thousand opportunities for you to agree with heaven and me in celebrating each of these small steps that you are making. And most of the time, you're not even consciously thinking in these terms that brings heaven so much joy and brings so much sense of celebration every single step of the way. So are there any, um, as we come into land, any thoughts about the up in and out? And what do you think... Why is it important that we have a balance? What happens if we don't have a balance between those three dimensions? Okay, so put that in the up, in and out language. We're always on the in. Yeah. 
Right. We become cliquey. Yeah, we just become this super, super, super close group. But then, yeah, people can't connect in. That is a massive danger. I used to say to the church in Canterbury, the st- our strength of community is such a blessing and it's also a huge danger. And everyone would be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, if you don't know what it's like to come in and feel like everyone knows each other, that closeness that you love and you're just enjoying, and as great as it is, if you don't consciously, as a discipline, intentionally think, how do we you know, enjoy that? We drink from that, but we also deliberately, intentionally reach to the out. And I'm talking like all week, but if, even on Sundays, if we can't even... Uh, you know, when, if, if a new person comes on a Sunday, if they bothered them to come and they're that brave, and even at that moment we're not aware enough to think out dimension then, then that is, that's worrying. And every church thinks they're super welcoming, and so many aren't. <laughs> Which is why, actually, when I heard about your friend, Christine, and she said to me when she was in the park three weeks ago, she said, I've had, no joke, eight to ten meaningful conversations in the last two hours. I was like, that, that made me very happy. And I was like, this church, in that dimension, in that person, is, is very successful. We just need to keep going. We just need to keep making sure that as much as we celebrate the inn, we keep intentionally saying, but Jesus goes after the one as well as the 99, right? So, yeah, that's one, that's one problem if we're just all about the in and we don't think about the out. What's the problem if, for example, we're all about the up and not, you know, into the in or the out. What, what sort of person does that describe? If you're just all about your relationship with God, you and him, you and him, you and him. Is it separate? Separate? Anyone, anyone know anyone or has ever, anyone ever been in that place a bit yourself? Your Christianity is just you and him. You don't necessarily have meaningful Christian friendships. And you don't necessarily think about friendships with those who have different worldviews. I definitely know, I can see that in myself. You know, I love Jesus, but I'm not so keen on the church. <laughs> Never really think about the world out there. Well, final problem, what happens if you're all about the out and you're just constantly connected with the world out there, but not in the up and the in? What, what problem would that lead to? Too easily influenced. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Accountability. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Definitely. You. You become basically. Jesus would say you lose your saltiness, right? You're just in the world, and you're not actually bringing anything of the kingdom of God to it. So I just want to take thirty seconds of silence again, and I just want to close your eyes, and I just want you to just ask Jesus what Jesus is the one takeaway for me today. What's the one thing, Josh, could you come and lead us maybe in one final song to finish? It'd be amazing. Just to, Maybe we should stand, actually. If we stand to our feet, to keep the blood flowing. We've almost finished our time.